0: wow hello everyone and welcome to the jerry petito show on remember then radio listen you know somebody's gonna have to pinch me today because i have a legend on the phone with me right now that i'm gonna be interviewing i've interviewed him before um i've got to meet him live he's come out and done a he's done a couple fundraisers for me he is one of my favorites um Disco giant, legend of the 80s. I have the one and only D-Train. D-Train, say hello to everybody. Hi, everybody. How you doing? Happy holidays and happy Thanksgiving to those
1: who's
2: getting
0: ready to travel. How you doing, Jerry? I'm I'm doing... Okay, I don't think I could be doing much better. Okay? First of all, you know I love you so much. I mean, first of all... I love you too. You know. And for you to, to give me more interviews... This, oh, forget it. D-Train, I'm so... Uh, I'm having a great day. Okay? I'm having a great day. Let's just say that. So, D-Train, I've written a poem for you, and you have heard it, but my my listeners on Remember Then have not heard it so I'm okay. gonna um, read I'm gonna read the poem to everyone out there and then I'm actually gonna start the show with one of your songs um, you're the one for me but I'm also going to end today's show with the same song because that's the song baby okay uh, thank you. that's the song all right so I'm gonna read the poem first D train. A shout-out to Kathy Kasu for bringing me this guy. She said, you gotta meet him. I laughed and said, I'll try. I danced to all his music at clubs back in the day. Everyone knew this guy while dancing the night away. Tonight's guest is awesome. A blast from the past. James D. Train Williams had a number one hit so fast. You're the one for me, released in 81. Number one billboard stance chart, D-Train got it done. His first record deal at 20, Prelude Records was the place. D-Train was on fire. The world would now know his face. Began singing in church at six, first recording at age 15. Reverend Timothy Wright and the choir were now put on the scene. He got nicknamed D-Train from high school football team, It felt like a train if he hit you. James Williams ran on steam. Erasmus High School it was. PSAL champs they became. 1978 was the year his school was now in the game. Radio City Music Hall, one night in 83. Opened for one of the greats. Smokey Robinson was he. Began a jingle career in 87. National Budweiser Radio... In 2001, hosted his own. Damn, D-Train, way to go. Sirius Satellite Radio, on Channel 51. Heart and Soul, for seven years, you had a good long run. In 2015, you toured the Boston Pops for a year, as their premier soloist entertaining Far and Near. Madison Square Garden in 2015, when Pope Francis was in town, with Harry Connick and Estefan. You guys brought the house down. Also performed in movies, Keeping the Faith was One, A Walk in the Park, Another, and Perfect Stranger was Done. Such greats as Halle Berry, Bruce Willis and Richard Gere, Winona Ryder and Ben Stiller, Ed Norton, to name them here. On albums you also sang, as backing vocalist for the best, Michael, Jackson, and Bette Midler and Cher. Wait for the rest. Luther, Vandross, and the OJs. Meatloaf and Elton John. Will Downing and Jeff Golub. D-Train, you bring it on. You also sang in Hercules. And Pokemon, I hear. I'm sure some other movies. What a ride you had out there. As backing vocalists you sang from 2012 to 14. the Kennedy Center Honors, For two years was your scene. You sang for Cardinal Dolan, 2017 at Gotham Hall. New York City is the place that taught you to stand tall. United Stations Radio Networks is currently employing you, a musical director there founded by Dick Clark, it's true. You asked me, what's the story, Jerry? I will now tell you how I feel. I want a tour around your job. Come on, D-Train, let's seal the deal. And we are going to seal the deal next, in a week or two, right? This is great. I love it. I cannot wait. All right, baby, I cannot wait. I'm coming to meet your, your co-workers. I'm coming to hang out in studio. I am so excited. This is so cool. So, D-Trade. Everyone who remembers your music. Probably, like myself, did not know all the other things you've accomplished. You know, to me, that is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, yes. So, what I'm going to do is, um, I might actually play your song three times through this. You're the one for me. We have some of your music downloaded. Let's start this with you're the one for me, and I'm also absolutely going to close today's show with this song. Okay, so bef- okay. before I play it, tell us about this song.
2: Well, this song came about when uh, I first met Hubert Eves in Sound Lab Studios. I was singing backgrounds on a demo by Will Downing, and um, Hubert was producing it. And um, after he finished uh, the session he asked will for my telephone number will was like d this guy wants you to call him he works with roberta flack and him to me and all of that he's a big producer and so i went into uh hubert's house he lived on jefferson and patching over there in brooklyn And I went over to his house, and, you know, we met again. And he said, man, uh, it's great to meet you again. And he said, I got this track, man. All I got is this. (laughs) i stood up on the cloud and shout out loud, you're the one for me. And that was all he had. And he said, do you hear anything else? I said, play again and they played it again I said give me a pad give me a pad so when, I, when he gave me the pad I went with the love I found takes my feet up off the ground to fly away and we continued to write the rest of the song that afternoon and Russell wrote Keep On That Day <laughs> so we got two for one so you uh, yeah it was, it was it was a great
3: afternoon
0: so wait you wrote I didn't I don't think I knew that so you wrote both of those songs that afternoon yep all right So, you know, I write poetry, obviously. And people say to me, how do you do that? And I'm like, it just comes, you know? And now I'm listening to you, and you wrote two songs in one day. That's unbelievable.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, when we got together, we clicked. I don't know what it was, when we got in this house, and we started writing together. The, The ideas would bounce off of him to me, to me back to him, and we just sat there until we got it done. And then... You know, we got the single out uh, with Frankie Crocker back in the day. Well, at first we started with college radio, with Howard University, because back in the day, everything started with um, college radio. Okay. And then it went up to the clubs. And then from the clubs, then it went to radio. Um, you know, back in the day, you didn't start out with a number one record,
1: okay. and you just. Took it out the box. Okay.
2: <laughs> that didn't happen. But we all know that that's because of money nowadays. Um, you know, people buy the number one spots and they pay for them. And they, it's kind of like false advertising. You're, you're absolutely right. You, you like the song or not because you've never heard it.
0: You're that absolutely right.
2: <laughs> all right. So Back then you had to earn the number one spot.
0: So um, let's play D-Trains. Number one, baby. You're the one for me. time I hear that song, I can think back to being in, in the clubs, dancing to it. Oh, yeah? Are you there? Can you hear me? Yeah,
2: I'm here. Yep. Can you hear me?
0: I can hear you. You know, I think back to dancing to that song in the clubs back then.
2: Oh, we had so many clubs back then. Yeah, Bonds International, you know, Silver Shadow on 57th Street, The Underground on 14th Street, the Paradise Garage, you know, It was
0: just a lot of them. A lot of them. And back in the 80s here, um, in my town, believe it or not, in Robbinsville, Hamilton, New Jersey, okay? We had three, we had actually four, four huge dance clubs right in my town. It was crazy, unbelievable, and your music played. And, uh, you know, it just brings me so far back to all that and what an amazing memory of that. Wow! You know that was when going
2: to the club was fun. Yes, (laughs) you're right. We actually danced. We danced. I mean, now kids go and they pull out their cell phones and they text. Isn't that crazy? I'm like, what did you go to the club
0: for? It's crazy. (laughs) We danced all night. Listen, we never got off the dance floor. We got off to get a drink of water. That was it. You know. That's true. Um, I'll never forget that hours and hours just staying on the dance floor. So, all right. So now. You were in movies. Tell us about that.
2: Well, the first film that I did was um, was actually a small film in New Jersey Ooh. called Trolley. It was through an independent film company, and I did something for them. And then I got called to do um, Keep in the Faith um, with Ben Stiller and Ed Norton. We filmed it at the Jewish synagogue on 92nd and West End Avenue. Voice Baptist choir walking (laughs) around going, (laughs) and we march into the synagogue, and they get a a conga line running around the church, and people are like, What what are you doing? (laughs) Oh, that was deep!
0: Oh, my goodness. So, okay, so tell us about the other ones.
2: Well, the next one, uh, I was a part of a choir.
0: That sounds cool, but wow. Okay, I didn't expect that. Yeah, and then
2: after that was Pokemon. Okay. You know, I got called in uh, by my good friend, uh, John Siegler, who uh, was the musical director on the television show Pokemon, and we had never really done a lot of, I mean, we've always done, people never knew it, but we've always done Japanese cartoons in America. Speed Racer was from Japan. a lot of our cartoons as kids were from Japan, but we just never noticed it because we just thought they were all, you know, American cartoons like Gumby and Pokey and everything else and Davy and Goliath, you know. Um, But Pokemon was from Tokyo and it was supposedly the biggest thing in Tokyo. They were trying to break it in America, so they started the television show. And um, myself and my good friend Bobby Floyd, who has passed away... Mm. uh, We sang the ending theme song to the television show, which ran every day for about (laughs) four years. That's so cool. And then we got to work with um, Aaron Carter, whose older brother, um, I forgot his older brother's name, and that's terrible, because his brother was in the Backstreet Boys. Okay. But Aaron Carter was the baby brother of one of the Backstreet Boys, and we did the Pokemon theme with him in the movie. So that was,
3: you know, pretty much
2: most of my movie career. <laughs>
3: okay, so that's cool.
2: But, but other than that,
3: keeping the, um perfect
2: stranger with Holly Berry and Bruce Willis, you know, we shot that at um right here in New York City, uh on forty second street and um I forgot the name of the big restaurant. Um but it, it you know, it was a nice scene where Bruce is given a toast and the two songs that i sang actually went into the movie my funny valentine and you sexy thing by hot chocolate because they said can you sound like hot chocolate i was like what they're like i said the hot chocolate yeah all i want you to do i believe in know, and we went to a studio in, um, in downtown manhattan by the williamsburg bridge when you come off of the off the Manhattan side of the Williamsburg Bridge, I don't know what section of Manhattan, it's almost like Delancey Street all down in that area. Um, there was a studio there, and we went in the studio and recorded it with a live band. And both songs made the movie. And uh, And that was pretty much it. It was a lot of fun meeting Halle Berry, because when, when I was on set, most of the extras would try and meet her and run up to her. And that's how Kathy and I met uh, on set, you know. Um, She was the set nurse. Yes. Perfect stranger. Right. And so I got to meet Kathy, and, you know, people were running up there, and the the president of Revolution Films was a a husband and wife. The husband was a lawyer, and the wife was the film, the executive producer. So the wife came and got me, because I I was, you know, I'm, I'm a studio person, I'm a musician, so. Musicians, mainly we sit in our corner until you call us to do what we got to do and then we'll come and do what we got to do. So everybody was like flying around like bees and the president of Revolution Films runs and gets me and she's like, hey train." Hey. I was like, yes, yes, yes. Uh, am I supposed to go on now? She goes, no, she wants you. <gasps> said, she, she who? <laughs> she said, Miss Berry, she wants you now. I said, okay. So I went and uh, <laughs> I went on set and they had her in a little corner. Uh, she's sitting there reading her script and she jumps up off of this little sofa and goes DJ I have all
4: your records I <laughs>
2: love you and I was so scared I jumped back <laughs> 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 out my hand. Like, oh yes good to meet you so <laughs> pleasurable yes I'm married yeah, I'm I married you. <laughs> oh, hell, you know I'm married and then she goes yes I used to be married to a singer too I was like don't tell me that uh, I don't need to know oh man I know I know I know but yes, yeah. <laughs> and I was so scared so we talked for a minute me and her and she just hey, thanked me for doing her film and then at the end of the conversation I finally gave her a hug and <laughs> but it was the funniest greeting she jumped up off the couch I jumped backwards like five feet
0: that is <laughs> remember, so funny <laughs> oh my gosh that is so funny oh my gosh oh, yeah. D-Train how old are you today?
2: years old.
0: Okay, so you know I'm a little bit older than you. I'm, I'm 58. When will you be 58? I will
2: be 58 January 21st,
0: 2020. Oh, happy birthday sweetie! I'll be 59 in March. So see, I'm older than you. How about oh, that? so you got me about one year,
2: okay. one, three months.
0: Okay, so now, alright, so I want to ask, all right, I want to play one more of your songs now and then I have a question for you, okay? So now, sure. Let's play, I'm going to save, keep on. We're not playing that yet. So I have two versions here of You Are Everything. Um, okay. They're both the same amount of time. Let's let's play this one and say, um, tell us about You Are Everything.
2: You yeah, Everything was from uh, the album on Columbia. We were signed to a two-album deal. And I believe You Are Everything was from Miracles of the Heart, or either in your eyes. I can't remember right now, but um, You Are Everything was the closest. We were trying to come back to You The One For Me. We were circling back because we were getting close to the 90s, and um, people kept saying, you got another You The One For Me, and by industry standards, you try to recreate the magic you did, you know, back in the 80s, but we were getting close to the 90s. Technology had changed. Um, So it was, I guess... um, second coming of You're The One For Me and I think we we captured the essence of what we were trying to say in that song Um, we didn't really want to do You're The One For Me over again because it was too magical but we wanted to come up with something that would make the people get on the dance floor and I believe we did uh, you know, it didn't take off here in America because Columbia Records pulled both of, both of the albums after they were top five hits. They were top five hits on the radio. Mm. And, you know, people didn't understand about being the tax write-off. Okay. Um, what happens is, you are, everything comes out, and I'm top five on the radio around the country behind Bobby Brown's Don't Be Cool. And I was like, okay, we're going to push it to number one, right? They are like, no, we'll get it on the next one. And I was like, what? <laughs> he says, well, oh, you got to understand, you know, uh, Lisa, Lisa and Cult Jam is coming out with their new album. We got to push that. So you become the tax write-off for Lisa, Lisa and Cult Jam to justify the money that they gave to her. Not down to Lisa, Lisa and Cult Jam. That's just, just how the record industry works. If you are artists, if they have five artists out there and one of them starts to go up the cl- charts quicker than the other one, it's like playing those race horses when you're in Coney Island and you're shooting the water in the hole and whichever horse goes fastest. So, um, the second album, we want to in the tax write for Michael Jackson's Thriller.
0: Whew. It's crazy to me. Okay, crazy.
2: I'm just yeah. like, <laughs> I'm like,
1: and, oh my God. God
2: that you are everything. Um, and, and, and just to say a little bit, I know this is a negative point, but it's like, columbia records told me when i left the label in 1988 that they never released uh this is when cds were just starting in 1988 because they released bruce springsteen's born to run on a four cd set at tower records and virgin superstores and they had lines going around the street and what happened was they said detroit we never released your song on CD, and two years later, after I left the label, I think it was 1990, I was doing a show in Paris, France, and I'm walking on the Champs-Élysées with my good friend, Quentin Bacardi, and I said, you know, I wonder if they got any of my music inside of uh, your tower over here, or your, your Virgin Superstore. He says, Jim, I, I, He says, any of your records and I said, no, but not my Columbia records. He says, oh, yes both of your Columbia records, I was like, what? So I went up in the, uh, the, the record store and sure enough, CBS had released uh, In Your Eyes and, um, and um, Miracles of the Heart on CD, but what they did, this is some of the trickier the record industry back then, they shipped the masters into Japan to make it look like it was an import from Tokyo.
1: So I looked like a Japanese artist coming into Europe through the back door,
2: and they wouldn't have to report on the the royalties in America.
0: Wow. Okay, so listen. Um, This is unbelievable to me, because I don't even think um, we talked about any of this. We may have, but I don't remember these stories.
2: Yeah. No, I, I don't think we did either.
0: Okay, so, I mean, that's kind of, You know, I, I interview a lot of entertainers, okay? And mm-hmm. they tell me these stories, and I'm just blown away.
3: Yeah.
1: Oh, boy. But
3: what happens is, you know, when we did
2: both of those albums, In Your Eyes and Miracles of the Heart, we were all recording at Sound Lab Studios in Brooklyn, New York, where we always recorded. But on these particular two albums when we got signed to Columbia, you know, when we did the first three albums, Hubert lived in Brooklyn, so he would just drive home and drop me off at my mom's house on Franklin Avenue. I lived in Brooklyn. But um, but when we got to Columbia Records, I had gotten married and moved to Long Island, so instead of commuting back and forth, and Hubert had moved to Queens. So instead of commuting back and forth, we literally moved all of our recording studio equipment from both our homes into the studio at Sound Lab out on 14th Street and Avenue Z and Shore Parkway in Brooklyn. And what happened was, it was back then, I hate to say it like this, but it was a mob territory out there. It was a
4: serious
2: mob territory out there on Shore Parkway and Avenue Z. we couldn't buy food after, like, like we could buy food, but we had to order it in on uh, after six o'clock because you couldn't really be seen in the neighborhood. So we withstood that. In the system, David Frank, and we went on first, and they went on because they had "Don't Disturb This Groove." And when they were in the middle of their set, you heard pop, 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 and people just started running.
1: Oh man! And
2: I was like, "Oh my God!" Yeah, that was when that was the first and the last time I think I would been rocked. About D Train, about what year was
0: that? I think like, oh my gosh, it's so bad today with the violence and all this stuff, but that's because we're living it. But we don't even think about how bad it was back then as
3: well.
2: Well, you know what, it's like, my history comes from people like a Gladys Knight and a Patti LaBelle. And even in my own childhood, when we would go to visit my grandmother in North Carolina because you know, my parents weren't particularly rich. We never went on, like, lavish vacations or Disney. Right, and, us either. And stuff like that, even the Disneyland.
0: Yeah, us either. And the the
2: yeah. fathers you went was from, New York to New York, from New York to North Carolina. Yeah. And that was your vacation, going to the country for a week. I
0: went to Long
3: Island, my grandparents. And going back to New York.
0: Yeah, I went to Long Island for the, for the summers with my grandparents. Yes, you're right. Go ahead.
3: And so, what happened was...
2: I never, my mother and I would cook food all night long. I mean, they would make potato salad, chicken, everything, trays of it, to load up all three cars to, to drive to North Carolina. Us too. Know, as a kid, you just, it was just normal to us, because when we took long trips, this is what we did.
1: Us too.
2: I realized that we could not stop and go to the bathroom.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, my gosh, I that's crazy. I did not realize that. This is, but, and see, not until, uh, for black people, not until, or uh, at least for these black people, 1970, 1971 was the first year we could pull over, because that was when you had Howard Johnson. That's
1: crazy. And
2: Howard Johnson's, you know, after they killed Martin Luther King, that was when they opened up the doors and let people, black people, use the restrooms and have food in the restaurants.
3: Oh my gosh. As
2: they were driving down 95 South. We couldn't even go to Rye Playland. Back then, we can go to Adventures Inn in the Bronx, but we couldn't go to Rye Playland. My father would take us to Howard Beach. We would have hot dogs and leave. Because that wasn't a place you could hang out either.
0: <laughs> you know, I'm listening to you, and that part's heartbreaking. But to give you some consolation, my family, we used to go to Long Island, because we, we didn't even know we were poor, but we were poor back then. And we would go to Long Island, spend summers and weeks at my grandparents and we would have trays of food that my family would cook and bring so we did the same things but i guess for different reasons you know but all right so what we're gonna do right now is let's play you are everything by d-train Woo! Incredible, incredible. So I have a surprise yeah, for you
3: thank I, you.
0: I have a surprise for you, D train. Someone's on with us and would like to say hello.
3: Okay. Caller. Hello. How are <laughs> you? <laughs> Please don't divorce me. Okay, I promise I'll be good. I promise
2: I'll be good. <laughs> don't divorce me, don't believe me. Don't
3: leave me this way. (laughs) How are you, my love? I'm good. How are you? I miss you. I know. You came to New York and I didn't get to see you. I'm so sorry. That's okay. You'll have to come to Florida. Oh, boy. Yes. Well, that'd be better weather anyway. (laughs) Absolutely. I was was just telling Jerry how he met on the side of Perfect Stranger. Yep. That's right. That's right. Kathy, tell everyone who
0: you are. Tell everyone who you are and how you met D-Train because he just told the story.
3: Okay. Uh, I'm an RN and for 27 years I worked on TV and film and I was working on Perfect Stranger and D-Train was on that day and it was the Victoria's Secret segment (laughs) of the show and he sang and we had met up at the rap party and we've been friends ever since and I love him.
0: So great. And And uh,
3: I love you too. (laughs) (laughs) And tell everyone about K&D
0: Entertainment.
3: Okay. And now along with my partner Donna we have D Unique Entertainment. Our website is kdunique.com, and we do bookings for theaters, parties. We just did a big theater show, and I'm also doing a radio show every other Tuesday night, and D-Train, I want you on there. <laughs> Absolutely. You have okay. Does that mean you want to divorce me, darling? <laughs>
0: I told him you were going to divorce him. I said, I said Kathy's going to divorce <laughs> you. <laughs> so, so, Kath, why don't you ha- ask him a question for the audience, um, and be- then we'll play another song. Okay, but I
3: already know everything. About no, this. ask
0: something that you know the audience would love to hear the answer to.
3: Okay, what do you have coming up? I know you've been traveling all over the world. I mean, you are probably more popular now than you were back in the day. You're just a legend. You're phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh, thank you. Well, you know what? what's, what's happening now. Let me tell you, this man can move on stage.
2: <laughs> yep. Yeah.
3: Oh God! Thank you, cat.
2: Not bad for some creaking old knees. (laughs) (laughs) My kids laugh at me all the time. That's the God's honest truth. Every time my son James comes to a concert, he's like, "Oh boy, not again."
1: (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
3: Well, I love James, and he's friends with my son. I think. Yes, yes.
2: She had all three of my sons. She got all three of my sons in Spider Man. Was it Spider Man Two or
3: Three? Three, yeah, Spider-Man, Spider-Man 3. yeah spider man spider man 3, she, she had it for three days. Wow. <laughs> yep, we had fun. I told them, you're going to be exhausted. No, we can do it. Remember how exhausted they were? Yeah, they had to come back to Long Island, going be back on Saturday at 6 o'clock, and then they were there until
2: like 12 midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning, catching the train back to Long Island,
3: sleeping for three hours, and getting back up and going back to Manhattan. Oh, <laughs> man. Because you're okay. University. Yeah. Glamour and they got to see everybody because where they had the day and Spider Man scooped in to get his award. So they did get to meet everybody. Oh and it's all thanks to you, my darling. Oh, it was my pleasure.
0: Well, thanks to Kathy for our introduction. I love you for that, Kath.
3: Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Well, we kind of bounced off each other, Jerry. Yes.
0: Yes, I, I introduced her to Ken Brady from the casinos. She introduced me to Michael. D-Train, Michael D. Moore. We love doing this. This is what it's about. You know what I mean? This is what it's about. D-Train, so, so answer Kathy's question. Tell everyone what's coming up for you. What's going on?
2: Well, right now, um, I, right
4: now
2: I'm just doing uh, two shows in, in Providence, Rhode Island for December uh, at Platforms. And, and then nothing really until June. Uh, I'm traveling to Greece oh. to do a performance with Light uh, of the World over there. And I'm doing the D Train show. And then um, I'm doing London and Paris. Beautiful. In June. All three of those in June. Right. Beautiful. And that's all I have so far in June. Oh, and then 2021, January 2021, I'm doing the Soul Train Cruise.
0: That's cool. <laughs> very cool
2: too bad Don Cornelius couldn't be there but you know that necessarily he, he, you know and right now I'm just still working as a musical director here at United Stations uh, Radio Networks, located in Manhattan company started by Nick Raditzky and Dick Clark who partnered up and they have several different affiliates we have Alice Cooper uh, has a show here um, they're getting ready to start a show with Kenny Loggins um we have Dee Schneider from Twisted Sister. He has a show here, um, and, and it's really nice. Uh, they've had they used to have a lot of celebrities come through. So now they're in the podcast phase, where they're getting ready to do their own podcast. They put together a film room, and they're getting ready to do podcasts. So we'll see what happens, you okay. know. But it's been an interesting ride because I've been with this company. As a voiceover artist for about 26 years.
1: And oh, you know, wow. I was doing
2: jingles because my life has taken so many different turns. Like after the record business was radio. I got into doing television and radio commercials. And then from television and radio commercials, I wound up in Sirius Satellite Radio. And then from Sirius Satellite Radio, I wound up doing films with Kathy. Wow. And <laughs> from so there, back to here. So
0: cool. All right, so now, Kath, while you're on, we're going to play Keep On, Baby, because he told a really cool story about this. He wrote this song the same day, tell her.
2: As we wrote you other one for me. How
1: about that?
2: The first day that you and I met, we were just bouncing ideas off each other. And it was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Okay, let's put this down. So we put it down, and that was when we had the old reel-to-reel tapes, you know. So you recorded a quarter-inch quarter reel-to-reel, and then you finished that one. And he's like, I got another one. I got another one. I said, okay, we'll play for me. <laughs> and we kept those pads working until about 8 o'clock that evening, and then I went back home, you know.
0: All right, so let's play it, baby. So, everybody, D-Train, keep on.
4: Keep on. Keep on. Keep on stepping till you reach higher ground. Turn
0: Incredible, incredible, incredible. The whole world knows these Beautiful. songs. Wow.
3: Well, thank you. Wow. Well, you're going to have to come down here when Jerry comes down, and we'll have a big party. <laughs> that sounds like a plan <laughs> to me,
0: Mama.
3: I miss you. Aww. I
0: miss you, too. So, D-Train, I want to ask you something. All right? Okay. So now... You started singing in church at 6. Yes. All right. You did your first recording at 15.
1: Okay. And
2: I did my first recording at 15 years old in Manhattan in the Lower West Village with Reverend Timothy Wright. It was a song on an album called The Victories and the Praise, um, and I had joined like a community choir. uh that was outside of my church. It was a bunch of different churches put together, uh, this community choir, and we did this album, and it was a popular song amongst the church girls in New York, so we would work a lot in New York and in Delaware and in North Carolina um, in the Pentecostal churches singing that song. and. Um, It was sort of like a a Kurt Dean song, if you want to say, in in the church world. And then, you know, when you leave the church, well, I don't say leave the church because you never leave God. Right. In my church, there were people that went out into the music industry before me. And you kind of got to go to get the pastor's permission because the other two that went out were Sammy Fletcher. And Sammy Fletcher wound up being a singer out in... Los Angeles, and then Ronnie Dyson, and Ronnie Dyson, unfortunately, you know, when he died, he was a a drug addict, and, um, you know, he lost mostly everything that he ever made. He had the number one record with, if you let me make love to you, then why can't I touch you?
1: Mm. So,
2: my pastor did not want the same thing happening to me. Ronnie was signed for Warner Brothers, and he was like, James, if you go out there, you know, all I'm asking you to do is keep God first. And God will keep you second. And I've, I've lived by that rule ever since I left that church. I was like, you know what? You just, you put God in front of everything that you do. And somehow, even when you have enemies against you and obstacles up against you, it always works itself out. Because that's the way my life has been. When one door closes, another one is always open. When the record industry changed in 1990, God opened up a door for me to do radio jingles. I did a Budweiser commercial, it went final. And the funniest thing happened when they sent me all the checks, I was like I called up the producer. I said, Bill, there's a problem. He said, What's the problem? I said, They sent me all these checks large amounts and I think the machine is broken. He <laughs> said, Stupid, if you don't want the money, then give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't I didn't understand what residuals were because the only residuals that I used that I was used to was from BMI. And publishing royalties i wasn't used to singing a session and then actually getting paid for the session and then getting paid for 13 weeks of residuals over and over and over and over again uh and when it goes national you know you're getting paid from every state in the united states or whichever markets they have the commercials in gotcha. so that's a lot of checks
0: right wow all right so, and I was going to ask you about the jingle and you just referenced it. So let's, yeah. Kath, we already played yeah. You Are Everything, but um, we have two versions we think here, I think. So I want to play it again because who doesn't love that song anyway? And you're now on with us and I want to see if this is a different version. So after the song, we'll talk about it. Okay, D-Train? Okay. All right, let's do it.
3: Okay.
0: Um, yes, I mean, come on. <laughs> was that a different version?
2: No, that's the same version.
0: Okay, because we weren't sure. So, all right, so let me ask you, do you have a little bit more time with us?
2: Sure.
0: Okay, good. So, what what would you like to tell your fans out there?
2: Well, I have a new album coming in 2020. I've just completed all the music. We're still mixing everything. Uh, I'm going to release it on the... 14th anniversary of my mother's transition. Well, she died in 2005, and I put out an album in 2006 that only two people from Japan downloaded into iTunes. Oh uh, wow! <laughs> because I
1: could
2: not support it. It was, it was like you know, mom passed, and it was like uh, I just was just too depressed, and you know, and uh, it was really weird. Uh, was in a weird place mentally, uh, had a bad marriage, had done bad, and so I had um, put the album out and just left it alone. And you know, I didn't really support it. This time, you know, I have a, a, a new inspiration. Uh, I've been traveling abroad to Europe, and people have been asking for it. They've just been like, "Come on, man, when are you doing a new record?" And all of my counterparts, like Lilo Thomas, Lilo Thomas has a new album coming out. He's, uh, he looks really good too. He got in the gym and lost like a hundred pounds. He's almost back down to fight in shape. I said, okay. Oh, wow. you know? <laughs> so I said, well, follow my lead, Lilo. Cause I, you know, I'm, I'm back in the gym. I've been in the gym for, uh, ooh, I guess about three years now. And you know, it's been good because what happens is when you're given a death sentence, uh, you will, you know, I, I didn't need a, a reason to get in, sh- in shape, you know, when I first got diabetes, I, um, and this is back when I was 33, um, I immediately got into Taekwondo martial arts and studied for eight years oh. under a Dong Su Kwa master, the Grandmaster Dong Su Kwa, the whole family, me of my kids became black belts and black Life became a black belt. I became a second degree black belt. This time around, it was different. Uh, 2016, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. Um, and I thought it re- I was gonna die, but they said it wasn't a lot. And then they were prepping me for radiation, and then they go, oh, wait a minute. No, you can travel, but uh, the cancer's traveled and it's master size. It's now in your travels going the stage four. Now I thought I'm gonna die. My kids didn't take it well. Uh, My wife didn't take it well. So immediately, you know, I went into uh, holistic therapy and as well as, you know, traditional medication. And through both of them, and even recce healing, I I went to a recce healer here in Manhattan. Uh, Through all three means, uh, I became cancer-free. And I got that diagnosis about a month ago. So it's giving me a new lease on life. I've always had a new lease on life, you know. I think the one word that is really starting to become very commonplace with me, not commonplace, but sort of centralize with me when I get up is discipline. I get up at 5 a.m., I'm into my meditation and prayer, I'm out the door by 6 in the office by 7, and, you know, my thing is this, how you start your day and end your day, the determines how your day is going to go. Because when you start off your day watching the news, you're going to be depressed before you leave the house. <laughs> right. I'm just saying. And I mean it. it, it when, when you listen to the news, there's nothing good. Even when you come in the house, there's like three people shot on the subway. Yeah, and, and especially in Manhattan, a drainage brush and, and flooded the whole street. You know what I mean? It's just the first part of the news is so bad, you're just like, okay, let's just wait for the weather. <laughs> you do. And so, what I've learned to do is tune that out and turn it off and and centralize my mind, my body, and my spirit early in the morning. And I think that when you get up at 5 a.m., like my mother did, and my grandmother, and people like that did, you won the day because. You're out the door two hours before people get up out of their bed. And if you're in the office by seven, when most people are getting up at seven to get into the office by nine, that gives you a two-hour head start on your day to make things happen in your life. And what I learned from doing this is that yesterday ended last night. Whatever mistakes you made, whatever people that hurt you or bothered you or betrayed you, it ended last night. Today's a new day. And the one place in life where we are is, where everyone is equal. Uh, where I'm as rich as Bill Gates and, and Michael Bloomberg, there's only one place where all of us, Jerry, Kathy, all of us, are equal to Michael Bloomberg. And that is maybe it's not with money, but it's with time. Each morning where we get up, we all get the same 24 hours as he does. He gets the same for 24 hours as we do. And so that levels the playing field. What do you do with those 24 hours? And those 24 hours determines where you get tomorrow. When you start looking at your time, you don't worry about how much time you have left. You just start thinking about, well, what can I do today? Because, see, the biggest struggle in life ain't getting from year to year or month to month. It's getting from day to day. And you can make it through 24 hours. You say, okay, restart that betting tomorrow morning. Boom. And you don't feel the same way every day. You don't feel, every day you you don't wake up feeling good. You feel some days you don't feel good. You have a cold or you, you might, you know, have a cough or, you know, stomach virus. You never know. But what happens is each day perpetuates change in your life and it all starts in your mind. And if you can connect your mind, your body, and your spirit to become one every morning, you'll be fine. Because whatever the sickness is that's bothering your body, that's temporary. That's gone in about a week, two weeks. If it was a bad cold, maybe a month. But if you broke something or hurt something, maybe three months. But then after that, it's over. And somebody betrayed you, okay, that may last a little longer. But every rain cloud goes away, and then you behold the sun. It ain't gonna, my mother said, Trevor, don't last always. (laughs) <laughs> and you know, as you say, in that community, trouble don't last always. You know, sooner or later, something's going to give. And I think that when you pursue your dreams with fervor and with, with aggression and with compassion and everything that you have inside of you, the love you have inside of you, um, I think that's what changes you. But when people... See, what happens is, the biggest problem is, I think, in life, especially when you're dealing in relationships, we try to change people. We try to change the other person. You know, um, and you can't change people. You can only change yourself. You know, Mahatma Gandhi said, be the change in the world that you want to see in others. And so that's what I did. I changed myself. And as I began to change, people see that change in you. And they see that light in you. And it gives you a new purpose because when you were 21 doing You Had a One for Me, it wasn't about ego, it was about being the best artist out there. And you were, you know, you were competing with people like Prince and Michael Jackson and The Time and Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Now at 57, it's a spiritual journey because. It isn't about how many records I sell. There's no more record stores, at least not in America. It's about how many hearts can I touch and bring about effectual change. And if I could do it to two people or 152 million people, one, one number, the numbers are irrelevant. Change is relevant. And I think that if you can change one purpose, one changes one person's life, then I think that's, that's remarkable. And I think that you've done your job and you're doing the right thing. You know, when I was younger, I, I didn't sing any songs that I couldn't sing in front of my mother. I used to take my mother with me to Zanzibar's in New Jersey. <laughs> and Zanzibar's was a drug-infested club. And I would tell the security guard that was watching me, I should watch my parents, they're 70 years old, put them in a the corner, they don't drink, you can give them some iced tea and they'll be fine, you know, and and they would do that. They'd put them in a special VIP booth and they would be fine. So I've carried that with me my whole life. If I'm going you know, I'm not gonna sing something I can't sing in front of my children or my grandchildren. I'm a grandfather now with three grandchildren. And so what I'm learning is that the next phase of my life is about my why. And when you do 57, what is your why? Because when you're 21, you don't know what your why is. You don't even know who your who is. You know, you don't know who you're going to wind up with, who you're going to be married with, relationship-wise, life. But when you're 57, you, you, you bless with wisdom because you got the years behind you and the scars to prove it, to let you know, wow, I've lived this much. And then when someone asks you a question, Geraldine, how did you get to this situation? You mm-hmm. can give them some wisdom. And it flows out of your lips so easily, you don't even think it's you talking because it sounds so profound. The reason why it sounds so profound is because you lived it. Knowledge is what you've experienced. Wisdom is what you've lived. I remember, told me, you got to live wisdom. You can't, you, can't, you can't create wisdom. You have to live it. You know, I used to, I love sitting and talking to Kathy's mom because there was wisdom there. You could look at her eyes and just share a good five minutes and just listen to a story real quick. And she'd just sit there and look at you. And sometimes she didn't even say nothing. Her eyes just said what it, you know, what she meant to say. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. I loved her, too. I loved her, too. And see, what happens is through doing nursing homes, through doing uh, events like, like yours and, and Kathy's event in Staten Island, you get to see people that you never would have seen otherwise. You get to see veterans. You get to see people who served our country and they're not involved in the politics that we're dealing with today. They were the true people on the patriots on the front line who were bleeding, who came home with injuries. Who, you know, the biggest problem I, I noticed from people who I know that fought the military is health insurance. When they come home, they have to fight for health insurance after serving the country. And that's a shame. You know they got to fight for living. They, you know, they shouldn't have to. Mm. So something has to give. Our medical system has to change, and especially for the veterans and the people who serve, there has to be some type of uh, some things done in terms of the laws and stuff like right. that.
0: Wow. Well, I didn't expect. Yeah, I didn't expect this. This was incredible. I didn't know about the cancer. I cured myself of two cancers almost thirty years ago, all holistically yeah. without doctors, or I would have been. Yeah, yeah. I would have been dead. Yep. Um, and to this day, I'm. Well, I'm all plant based, vegan. Everything in my home is organic, even my bed, the paint on my walls. I mean, I had to really go extreme. I was, you know, um, but. I'm listening to you talk and what you just said was so incredibly inspirational and inspiring to people out there and I know somebody out there at least one person probably many more you have just encouraged wow I
3: hope so
2: because you know it isn't about people will hear you say a lot of things this is what I've learned this is if I don't say nothing else on this phone people will hear you say a lot of things but it's what you do that they remember. They may never remember your words. They don't remember what you've done. They don't remember your actions because, like like they say, actions speak louder than words. It's not what you said. It's how you lived and what you did. And that shows your character. Your personality is what you are when everybody else is around. And some of us have personalities up as shields. I know so many of my women friends... They just wear personality as she is because they don't want to get married again. They don't want a husband. They just want to date or whatever. And guys that put up things like you know, I, I know guys that act like they're the nicest person in the world when they're really jerks. Yeah. You know, personality is what you are when everybody around. How many times have you heard people say, "Oh, I love this person. I love that but He's the greatest guy in the world." And then you come out the front that he's a sleazebag. or she's even worse. Yep. So what happens is. Personality is what you are when everyone else is around. Character is what you are when the room is empty wow. and there's nobody watching you but God. Wow. And the person in the mirror.
0: That's right. The man that's in what the glass.
2: You because who you really are will show in your personality. If you're a mean person, it's going to come out sooner or later. It may come out like a twitch or something or in a conversation, real briefly, but it's going to come out. So, you know, let your character speak for you. Always be with good character. That's what my dad always told me. He said, comb your hair, have good (laughs) breath (laughs) and smell good. (laughs) Then you'll be (laughs) He said they might accept your character. And don't do nothing stupid, boy. No, my dad always did say that. I told my son the same thing. I said, Listen man, just comb your hair, brush your teeth, don't have bad breath, and smell good.
1: You
2: didn't get a young lady anytime. Wow. <laughs> they laughed
3: at me, but you know when it came true, I was like, see, "I
1: told
0: you." Wow. <laughs> well, you know what? I think we need a song. I think we need a song. So let's play. Right. Let's play "Walk and On I By." I need my
2: kids to bury Kathy. To bury you. Oh, I All right, to Bury a dead. She was on
3: air. Uh, <laughs> you could think she was Jesus. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> she uh, so about uh, they are was great. That was that Cassidy. Oh, that the
0: Williams boys to the Oh, I love that. You
3: raise them well. They really are, ladies and gentlemen. They're great. Oh, let's I mean, yeah, for... thank you. Oh, thank
0: you. beautiful all right guys let's hear it walk on by by D Train (laughs)
4: Aw
0: Love that song. Oh wow. thank uh, okay. you. Kath, what do you think?
3: I can just picture him up there on stage dancing around. <laughs>
0: Incredible, right? Incredible.
3: <laughs> Incredible. Mean, I'm serious. This man has moved
0: Incredible.
3: I got, to, you know, I got he to see Yeah. The time I saw him. Forget and it. I knew he was good, but boy He's all over that stage and moving like an eighteen-year-old. Crazy
0: <laughs> when when you came and played for me. Listen, I'm watching you and thinking, hubba hubba. Okay, just how yeah, to yeah, say yeah. that. So you what did have it, to
3: see him perform?
0: What what um inspired that song?
2: Well, you was um Hubert was looking for a song for a classic song because on every one of our albums. Uh, after the first album, we didn't have, like, classic songs. Well, that was from the first album. Um, he was inspired in the middle of the night by that song, Walk On By. And he said, Dee, I keep hearing this song, and it's, I see it on the ceiling. I said, you see it on the ceiling? He said, yeah, but it's a different arrangement. And that's the way Hubert heard things. You know, I, I think Hubert's a genius, but he would hear things and see things. And then he would go in his studio, and he would write it out, and that whole arrangement, Burt Bachalach with Basil Farrington, and different ones um, doing the string arrangements, because back then, those weren't synthesizers doing strings. Those were live orchestral arrangements, and, you know, many orchestras that he would call in uh, to do the, the music and stuff, you know. It wasn't MIDI back then. <laughs> you had to play it live. Okay. and. Um, you know, that's the difference, I think, between a lot of today's music and today and music from yesterday is that everything today, you don't like kids don't need to learn how to music theory or a difference between the eighth note and a quarter note. They only need to know how to hit a sample and a loop and how to mix it. You know, most of the music you hear now are just loops and samples. You don't even have to learn how to play chords or
1: mm. piano
2: or guitar or anything anymore. They have loops that have play a guitar and the piano for you. And even in terms of singers, they got software, I even have it, software where you don't even have to hire background singers. You just push play. And then the background singers start singing. Crazy. So things have changed, but I think Hubert would I can't take a lot of credit for that song. I got to give my hats off to Hubert, who was always looking for a a classic song to put on the D-Train album. On our second album, it was a scene from The Sandpiper, which was The Shadow of Your Smile. You know, on the third album, uh, Something's on Your Mind, uh, it was an acoustic version that I came up with of Carole King's So Far Away. Okay. Wow. So, you know, and that was, you know, we always tried to incorporate that in our music.
0: It's beautiful. So what we're going to do is this. We're going to play some things on your mind. We'll talk about that. Then we'll give you an opportunity, you and Kathy, to say anything else you'd like to say to the audience. And then we're going to close with, you're the one for me, because I need to do that. (laughs) All darling. All right, so let's do it. Okay. So, everybody, something's on your mind. Now, before we play this, do you want to tell us a little bit about this song?
2: Well, we wrote this song in Hubert's living room. I don't know why we went upstairs in his living room, but we were sitting in his living room when we still lived on um, Jefferson Street. His living room was on the second floor of his house, and we were sitting in the living room, and he had a little tiny Casio keyboard, the kind that you look like a a five-year-old would play. And it, these things, Hugh was always into gadgets. If a new gadget came out, he had to have it. And they had this new little tiny Casio CZ 101 or whatever it was. And it looked like some of the play because the keys were too small. I said, that's for a child, man. He said, boy, it's great. It's the best thing that ever happened. And they had a little drum machine inside of it. So he sat there instead of tinkering with the drum machine. And that's how he came up with the rhythm for somethings on your mind and then he just started playing the chords and then it came into fruition and he went into the studio and you know got the live musicians and and there you have somethings on your mind which was later recorded by uh, the late and legendary <laughs> miles Davis. Wow. And also recorded by the artist out of Los Angeles, California,
1: the
0: rapper Yo-Yo. Oh.
2: Featuring the late John
0: LaVert. Wow. You know, the memories that you must have are unbelievable. Wow. Wow.
2: Well, you know, I I tell God every day, thank you for his life. (laughs) Yep,
0: that's right. Wow. All right, everybody. Something's on your mind by D-Train.
4: Just stay on the line. I believe there's something on your mind. There's something on your mind. Tell me, tell me, girl, stop wasting time. I believe there's on your mind. There's something on your mind. Tell me, tell me, just stay. Your mind I seem to get that feeling every time I need you that I'm running out of time how can you walk away and leave me hanging just leave me hanging
0: So beautiful. Yeah. yeah, I ain't been able
2: to hit that note since I stubbed my toe in Kathy's kitchen.
1: But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh my
0: goodness.
2: But no, I'll tell you. I, I really didn't hit that note the whole time. Oh buddy. my goodness. <laughs> I tried every now and then.
0: So incredible. So,
2: beautiful. I'm going
0: mm-hmm. to give you guys an opportunity to talk. I just, before I do that, I'm going to say thank you to both of you, actually. Kat, thanks for coming on and hanging out with us. Oh,
3: thank you for bringing me on.
0: You know, I, I love you. Um, thank you for introducing me to D-Train. I'm so glad you got to come on. But D-Train, you know how much I love you. And not only do I want to thank you for today's interview, I want to thank you for the other interviews and the yeah. one that's coming up. And I want to thank you for having me. I'm going to be meeting him uh, next week or so um, at his work, Kath, and hang out with him so I can't well, now I'm jealous no don't be jealous I can't wait for that <laughs> I can't wait for that
3: oh come on Kat you got me for life you there you go there you go okay I'm watching <laughs> there you go <laughs> Kath. you
0: can't get rid of me <laughs> <laughs> there you go but alright so Kath, why don't you say a few words um, and then D-Train I'll have you say whatever it is you'd like to say and then we're going to close with you're the one for me
3: alright Okay, well first, this was beautiful. Thank you, Jerry, for bringing me on. D-Train, I miss you. You're phenomenal. Everybody, please check out our website. It's kdunique.com. And Jerry, again, I love you to death and thank you so much for making this happen. D-Train, you are phenomenal. uh, Oh, thank you, sweetie. Phenomenal. And call me or I'll never talk to you again. <laughs> I will call
1: you. I don't die to be divorced. <laughs> we must stay in allowed forever.
0: Oh, that's okay, great. okay. That's great. So D train the floor is yours. Say to your audience anything you'd like to say
2: okay well first i want to thank you jerry for this wonderful interview and and giving me a chance to connect with the fans and everything and and then reconnect with kathy being that i missed her when she was here in new york because you know i love you both dearly and i hope you both have a blessed thanksgiving holiday enjoy Mm it um to your fullest you know a lot of people uh because those out there, you know, a lot of people don't know how blessed they are until the holidays come around. And then you see the food lines and people giving out food. So I think it's one day for us to really be grateful because we've lost so much meaning of the holidays. We've come, right. We have gone straight to Christmas and bypass Thanksgiving now. So, you know, it's like Black Friday on Tuesday of last week.
1: Crazy.
2: <laughs> we, got the we haven't got the Thanksgiving yet. So I just want to say I feel blessed for knowing the both of you ladies and having you in my life and I'm truly grateful for that, for that. Jerry I just want to say to you you know keep doing what you're doing because if you, there's a saying that says if you don't fit in then you're probably doing the right
0: thing <laughs> I love it yes
3: <laughs> so if you don't fit in you're probably doing the right thing
0: oh I love you I've been told that my whole life by my my Italian crazy family that I was the nut I love you <laughs> <laughs> and then,
2: Kathy, for you, my darling, I just want to say, now that you're out there in the warm sunshine, enjoying yourself, <laughs> that are not floods in Staten Island, <laughs> <laughs> uh. it's
3: your life. Don't let anyone make you feel guilty for living it your way. Oh, oh absolutely not. And Beautiful. I thank God every day for everything. Aww. Yeah, and, and that's I just want to say to both of y'all, I and mean, I love you, thank you for you,
2: to all the fans out there, God bless you, thank you for staying with me for 35 years, and I feel blessed to, to be here, and all of you, have a
0: wonderful day. Happy Thanksgiving. Ditto. I love you too. All right, guys. I want to say thank you to my listeners out there. I want to say thank you to Remember Then Radio for having me. And I want to say thank you to D-Train once again um, and Kathy for hanging out with us. We are going to close the same way we opened this show today with D-Train's hit baby all over the world. You're the one for me. So, guys, have a happy Thanksgiving. Let's go. Happy
3: Thanksgiving.